All right, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, Ask Us Nation, happy Friday. Today is a good day to have a great day. Am I right? It is an amazing <laughs> day to have a good day. That is that is accurate. I'm wearing my fancy shoes. It's just yeah. What's up beautiful. with the what's up with the teal shoes? Get off me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a it's a choice. That's for sure. It is. It is. So, um, <laughs> what a great day. No, I I this is so sad. But like someone I worked with, I wore these the other day, and they were like, "Are you wearing your wife's shoes?" I was like, "Uh, she wears a size six. No." <laughs> <laughs> These are size seven. <laughs> I was gonna say I was like, kind of got middle school vibes from it, but you rock them. So yes, sir. Are you like? Do you have like every color of the van spectrum? Because it looks like these are the only vans I own. So. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. Yeah. Please tell me they were a gift. They Please were. don't tell. Me. Okay, they were. <laughs> I was like, you cannot tell me you went into the van store, you saw the myriad of colors, and you thought teal. That's what goes with the most colors. Yep. 100%. Hey, it goes well with the, the black contrasting walls. So Beautiful. looks good in here. Looks Beautiful. right in here. Uh, guys, we got a great episode for you guys today. We tackling chapter seven, talking all about Gideon and this really unique story of how uh, Israel had 32,000 soldiers ready to go fight against the Midianites, like strapped up, ready to go, staying strapped. And then God's like, hmm. I want to reduce this number to about mm, 300 people. And you're like, well, hold up. Why do you, what's funny? What? Stay strapped? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> you are old. You are an I, old man. I am. He has like maybe a year and a half on me. Maybe. And he acts like he's 40. Stay strapped. What does that mean? Please, someone, someone respond to this podcast and educate this man. Because he was giving me a weird look for a while and I lost my train of thought. But someone needs to educate this man on what it means to stay strapped, all right? <laughs> Anyways, uh, we see God basically like call out to Gideon and say like, hey, like I, I want to reduce the number of, of soldiers that we're sending into war because uh, I want to receive more glory in this. And rightfully so, because he is God and he deserves all the glory. And it's there's there's just so much to break down about the the intention behind doing this and and so much about how God wants to do the most with the little that we have, being good stewards of the things that we have, um, getting rid of things like fear and self-centeredness in our lives um, so that we can be focused on the ultimate warfare, the spiritual warfare nowadays that we face. Um, but even more than that, the ministry that God has called us to wherever we're at in life, whatever that looks like. Um, there are things that hold us back in life sometimes. And even if those things have held us back and we feel like God sent us home, there's always, always opportunity for us to to partake in that when the next opportunity comes. And so there's a lot of encouragement in this. There is a lot of conviction in this too with some some good takeaways. But nonetheless, uh, this is a great episode and we think you guys are really going to love it. So with that being said, Stefan, are you ready to dive into this? I'm ready. Let's do this. All right, guys, we are jumping back into chapter seven titled Gideon's 300 Men. Stefan is going to bring the breakdown for you guys. Hit us with it, brother. Yeah, so in chapter six, just a recap, chapter six, God cleans out the tribe of Manasseh. And what he does is he gets rid of the idols and the, the God worships that they have of other gods out of this tribe and out of the city. 
because now he is going to fight the war against the Midianites and he's going to free the Israelites right. from their hand. So he's building his army and 32,000 men come together and they're willing to fight against the Midianites. But God says to Gideon, no, your tribe, is, this, this is too big. Like if you guys are to win the war right now, you guys will beat your own chest. You'll say, man, look at how amazing we are. So we need to narrow this down. So what he does is he tells Gideon, you need to tell the people, those who are afraid, go home. Yeah. And out of the 32,000 people that are there, 22,000 get up and leave. That's and they tough. Have, they have 10,000 left. And you're like, dang, they lost a third of their army. Like, or two thirds. No, like more than half. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Two thirds of their army is just gone. And so they have 10,000 left and God's like, nope. We need to cut this again. So what he does is he devises a plan and he says, hey, Gideon, I want you to bring your 10,000 men down to the water. And I'm going to tell you who is going to be the people that you're going to fight with. So mm-hmm. Gideon's looking at his men and there's there's a group of people that get down on their hands and knees and they're they're drinking the water with the face in the river. Yeah. <laughs> I Like honestly, who these men are, I don't know. <laughs> so anyways, they do that. It's like children. I'm it's like what children do. Yeah. So God's smart. He says those people. Okay, but let's get just let's out. just be honest. Did you drink out of a hose when you were like a kid? Oh, hundred percent. That's like the best flavored water ever. <laughs> like when you play <laughs> wiffle ball in the park and you go and you like drink out of the like single guys that who's like seventy years old hose. Best thing ever. Yeah, I grew up in Oregon, so the water was a little bit cleaner up there than what it is down here out of a hose. But I remember there's so many times in the summer we're just playing and we just like run over just out of breath and just grab like the end of the hose and just turn it on. We're just like putting our mouth up to it and it's just covering our face. It's the best. Yeah. Oh, it's it am- just, it tastes like metal because of the metal. It's like right on the edge of the, I don't know what it is, but like the worst part about it is when you first turn it on and you don't let it sit for a little bit and oh. it's hot. <laughs> That's probably not an Oregon thing. That was an Arizona thing where it would be like, I need water and you put it up to your face and then like your lips are scorched. Yeah. So anyways, you've got so these people. you can't people. judge them. You can't judge them. <laughs> no, that's normal. Okay. So they're on their hands and their knees and they've just like, they're just straight putting their face in the water. And then there's another group of guys of what they do is they, they take their hands and they cup the water and then they bring it up to their face and they lap like dogs mm-hmm. and they have, they have the water up like this. And there's a reason behind all that. But God, God, he says the people that got on their hands and knees and they put their face into the water, send them home. Yeah. And so Gideon does that. He sends those people home. And then the people that brought water to their face was 300 men. And that was his army. And so then you have this like little scene with God and Gideon. Gideon's still a little bit of a, he's a little afraid mm-hmm. and a little discouraged because he only has 300 men. He started with 32,000. <laughs> and God says, no, 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 trust me. I want you to go down to the Midianite camp, sneak over there. Mm-hmm. And I want you to listen to what they're saying. And someone has a dream, and basically what the dream is is that Gideon's going to conquer them. Like, they're going to lose. And he realizes they're more afraid than I am. And so then he gets super amped up. He goes, he gets the 300 men. They go, and then they have this plan where they have these pots and these trumpets, and they just make a bunch of noise. And it just causes um, pure um, panic in the people. And then they they start killing each other. It's this crazy battle. But then they win, and they're free. And, um, it's just a really cool story in here about how God kind of strips down, um, our resources and something that's really cool that I really liked is God tells Gideon to go to the camp and listen to what they're saying. Yeah. And 
he gets so encouraged by realizing that the other people are so afraid. Yeah. And God uses so many little moments in our life to encourage us, mm -hmm. to remind us of like our calling. But I think a lot of us are just too distracted. Yeah. And we miss those moments. Like Gideon was willing to get up, sneak over to his enemy's camp mm -hmm. and like sit there to listen to these stories. Like, would you be able to, or would you be willing to do something a little bit out of your comfort zone? Mm -hmm. And I don't think I would. Like I spend so much time on my phone watching TV series, doing all this stuff. Yeah. But that could be time where I'm really getting encouraged in my faith and being reminded of, you know, what my calling is in Jesus. So anyways, I, I think this is something that's really important for us to deep dive. So we're kind of introduced to two rounds of God getting rid of this army. So mm -hmm. there's 32,000 people. He strips it down to 300 and there's two rounds. The first round, he tells Gideon what? Like he tells him to do what? Uh, with the getting rid of the people. Yeah. So the very first round, he tells yeah. them that if people are afraid. Yep. And like, what's the significance of that? Like, why is that a big deal? So, uh, there's, a, I guess there's, there's a couple of different ways we can kind of tackle that. I think that, uh, one thing that we, we definitely are on the same page about is that when it comes to, when it comes to war, and when it comes to our relationship with God um, and the things that he's called us to, like you have to think about like our state of mind and like where we are, like present, not present, distracted, all those kind of things. And uh, when it comes to the, the Israelites, like obviously they're going up against the Midianites, right? And so like this is, this is actual war. This is like bloodbath, life and death situation. And so God's like, I can't have people that are not focused on the mission people that aren't focused on like what's going on aren't clear of mind they have things that they're still attached to back home that are keeping them uh distracted from what's going on right um i've seen this before in like uh, uh like tv shows and movies where like the superhero is you know like you know the obviously like the superhero he's, he's got his strength he's got his super abilities and then when he's faced with a challenge more often than not it's because of a fear that he has that the enemy has figured out like his weakness and his weak spot. And so when he, when he goes after him for those things, the, the protagonist, so to say, or the superhero goes through this phase of struggle and um, trying to, to battle with that fear. Maybe it's a fear of the past or maybe it's something present. Maybe it's a physical person, but then um, trying to, to overcome that is hard because their mind is so cluttered. It is so sparsed out and uh, they're not focused on like what they need to be focused on or, you know, if you're a part of a team and, and the same kind of thing, like your mind's not in the right place, like you're not focused on it. And it actually was really funny. It reminded me of uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were recording an episode in here and did the first episode and it was great. And then we were going to do the next episode. I think this was our intro. And then we were going to do the first episode and we did the intro and then uh, you took a break and you needed to answer a phone call. And when you came back, you had said that um, like something was going on with like work and, and people were frustrated and stuff like that. But basically you just were like, I'm, I'm not in a good headspace anymore. And I don't know if I should like do this next episode. Like we can try and do it. If you really want to do it, we can, but I just don't know if I'm going to be able to be all the way present for this. Like I can be with the potential I have because I'm just, I'm all over the place right now. And that's like the same idea. Like we, we get distracted by things in the world or things are going on around us. And like when you have a mission or you have something you're focused on and you can't be like a hundred percent, like undivided attention to that thing, like you need to deal with those other things going on. And what's really interesting is this is similar to a passage 
in Deuteronomy chapter 20, which I can flip to you real quick to read. And uh, it basically has to do with like God's mercy and the same principles behind like if you're going to go to war, you need to be aware of like the other things that you're attached to back home. And so it says, when you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than your own, you shall not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when you draw near to the battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people and shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are drawing near for battle against your enemies. Let not your heart faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread against them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight with to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. Then the officers shall speak to the people saying, Is there any man who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Let him go back to that house, lest he die in the battle and another man dedicate it. And if there is a man who has planted a vineyard and has not enjoyed its fruit, let him go back to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man enjoy his fruit. And is there any man who has betrothed a woman and has not taken her? Let him go back to his house, let the peop- uh, lest the people and say, uh, is there a man who is fearful, or I'm sorry, let him go back to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man take her. And the officers shall speak further to the people and say, Is there any man who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go back to his house, lest he make the heart of his fellows melt like his own. And, like, I mean, even that last verse right there, like, I didn't even, like, catch that until now. Like, if, like, God is, like, given given provision right now in the sense of, like, different reasons why you should probably not be going to war. Because we need people who are focused, who are on the same page about this mission, aren't distracted, don't have other things going on. Um because like we need, we obviously like need to stay on, on, on track for this. But that last verse right there, it says, lest, lest he make the heart of his fellows melt like his own. It goes to the same point. If you got 22,000 soldiers, which is majority, well more than majority of your entire group that are fearful and afraid of going to war with the Midianites, imagine the, the like culture within like imagine like in a work environment imagine like how toxic it would would be if like your entire like work environment was just people that were doubtful and afraid and discouraged and something like COVID-19 there's a lot of like conflict that happened in businesses because people had differing views about stuff but like it made the workforce like really hard so all that to say like there's a lot of significance the idea of like fear and what God has called us to do because he calls us to have a, a clear mind and uh I'll talk about it a little bit more in a little bit but um, one of our takeaways that we kind of got is just the idea that like God wants us to be clear and have a focused mind when it comes to, to what he's called us to do, but also in the midst of war and we're in spiritual warfare right now. Um, and first Peter five, eight says, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So fear is obviously like what I think is more common than anything else because we see that that's the majority of people. And so I think that's really relatable nowadays to people is that a lot of people are fearful, um, especially even America. Like if you have the wrong opinion about something, you're probably going to get canceled for it or people are going to speak ill of you. I've had family members like actually like belittle me because of my views on things. And like, it's, if you, you know, live in that fear of man and like their opinion and that kind of stuff, it's going to make it harder for you to do ministry for God and for his kingdom. Yeah, I think there's a one-liner to sum up perfectly that little verse that you brought up is that fear is contagious. Mm. And what God wants contagious in his workforce and his army is courage and passion Mm -hmm. and excitement for his kingdom. He doesn't want discouragement, fear, lust, 
Like those things are all contagious. Mm -hmm. And so he's stripping away the things that are going to pull away from the victory. And this is something that I kind of caught when you're bringing over that, that, that passage, God in verse one through four in that Deuteronomy passage, he promises victory. Yeah. So a man who has built a house and hasn't lived in it yet, he's still going to live in the house. If he fights in the war or not, they're going to win. Like the 300 men, they, they survived. Yeah. The man who planted the vineyard, he's still going to get the vineyard. Mm-hmm. The man who um, has a wife that hasn't like married her yet, he's still going to have her because they're going to win. God promises the victory. Yeah. But if you're more focused on that, that's where your heart is. Yeah. And God's like, okay, like you can go do that. You're going to miss out on this victory though. Yeah. And so I think something we need to do is we need to re- like look back at our lives, look at what we're going on. Is there something that we've put more of a priority? Mm-hmm. Because if we follow God, if we're going to church, if we're tithing, if we're reading, if we're investing in others, yep. everything will fall into place. Yeah, You're still going to have a marriage. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have a house to live in. You're still going to have um, a, a place to go work. Those things are all going to happen. Yeah. But what is your priority? Yeah. That's most important. So having that said, he strips away the people that are afraid, that are focused on other things. Number two, he strips away the people that, that are like dogs. <laughs> <laughs> lapping in Those the are water. my dogs, bro. So this is something that's interesting. The The passage makes it very clear yep. that the Midianites are literally encamped right next door. And so the, the concept of this, that when you really strip the text, the people that brought the water to their face mm-hmm. are still completely aware of their surroundings. Yeah. If the Midianites were to jump out of the woods, like ready to rock and roll and cut their heads <laughs> off, like they're ready to fight. Right. They're aware of the danger that's ahead. Yep. And even though they're there to get a break in some water, they're still present. Mm. The people that get on their hands and knees and put their face in the water are completely unaware and they're self-centered. Yep. I need water right now. All I care about is me. This is what I'm doing. And so yep. I kind of want you to hit on that point of we've gotten rid of the people that are afraid, but now God's kind of getting rid of the self-centered. Yeah. Like yeah. go into that. So, uh, Obviously, like the biggest, the biggest factor of um, the given passage about why people left was because of fear, right? But then the secondary reason that is also fairly common uh, would be the idea of like self-centeredness and how, like, honestly, when it comes to like even just even just like the gospel message itself, when it comes to like giving our life to Christ. The whole idea is that like you're called to carry your cross every day. Like it's, it's a sacrificial, like I am dying to myself and I'm being raised to Christ every single day. And my focus is not on myself anymore. And like, like Paul talks about it, like Ephesians chapter six, like we are in a spiritual warfare and like, this is nothing to take lightly. Like we're seeing it all around us at all times. And if you're someone that is only ever focused on yourself, you're not going to be very helpful for this battle that we're going through because at the end of the day, all you care about is yourself. Like in that exact example, those that decided to go and lap water, keeping their head down, were only focused on that moment for themselves. They were like, I'm thirsty. I want some water. I'm just going to keep my head down. Like my world is all revolved around me. But those that were aware of their surroundings were like not only like self-conscious or conscious about like themselves getting what they need at the same time. It wasn't like they were like, no, I'm not going to drink water. I'm going to stand guard. They were still participating in it, but they're still aware of their surroundings of what's going on. And like God, God needs us 
to be aware of those things. But even more than that, like he needs us to have a heart that's focused on like sacrifice and like not being selfish. And that number gets really small. Like it, it drops down like 300 people. Like that's literally less than 1% of the 32,000 soldiers that started. And when you think about like, I mean, like it's, I know it's a little bit different. I don't want to like take it out of context to something else. But when we talk about like the broad road that leads to destruction and the narrow gate that leads to life, the, the idea or the principle that like when it really comes to serious faith, like those who are really committed to the gospel, to the mission, to, to what God has called us to do, that number really starts to dwindle down when we're put to the test. When we're given different situations and God's given us commands and we choose whether to obey those or to let things like fear and self-centeredness come into our life and rule over our decision-making, like that number of like those who are really set on it really starts to dwindle. And that's a really like conflicting thing nowadays because we think that like in America that we're like a country founded on Christianity and that we're like a Christian nation and there's a lot of Christians here. And like we can say that all day long, but at the end of the day, I think that if we're put to the test, that number is going to really start to show like how many people truly are in it for, for the kingdom and who are really not. Yeah. So when you were talking about that, I actually just got so convicted and I want you to hear this on, cause I bet you're going to get convicted too. <sighs> if I was there, I would be a dog lapper mm. like on my hands and knees. And I know an exact example of where I do this. Okay. Church. Mm. I go in, I sit, I worship, I listen to the service, keep my head down. I'm not looking at anybody to the right or left. Mm. Service gets out. I walk to my car and I'm out of there. <laughs> yeah. But like, I'm not at all engaged with the Holy Spirit of that person needs prayer. Mm. Like how weird would it be for me to go to at a church to go talk to someone and say, do you need prayer right now? Yeah. Like you seem like alone. Like you're only here by yourself. Like, do you have someone that comes with you normally? Like what brought you to church today? When was the last time you were at church and Mm -hmm. you went out of your way to find somebody like, were you looking around or were you looking down? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Holy cow. I'm sitting here just convicted in this chair of that is how we approach church. Yeah. Wow. We're lappers. We're a bunch of lappers. We're a bunch of lappers. And I, I honestly think that I would be sent home. Mm. I think I'd be self-centered because even in the confines of church where we're supposed to be the most communal and helping each other and talking to each other about what's going on, I think I'm the most yeah, distracted. Yeah. So, I mean, a question to go with that though now is if I do find myself to be someone that would fall into one of those two categories and sent home, is there any hope for me to be able to like be invited back in to do ministry? Like, or am I not, do I not get to be a part of this or participate in what like, God has invited me into. Absolutely. Like, of course you can. And I think the biggest thing that we get to see is if you're already having these conversations, like you're asking these questions, you're already more than the 1%, right? right? And I think if you're listening to this podcast and you feel that conviction of like, oh my gosh, I'm kind of like that, or I'm not, I'm really not utilizing the talents or I'm more concerned about X, Y, and Z than I am the kingdom of God. I think you just even asking that allows you to open up a genuine conversation and prayer with God of like, God, help my unbelief. Mm. Help me with my distractions. I want to be somebody who is very aware of my surroundings of who needs who needs encouragement, yeah. who needs somebody to be picked up, who needs a call, who needs whatever. Mm-hmm. And no one's ever, ever counted out 
you're only counted out when you stop asking those questions and when you stop um, trying to get deeper in your faith. Yeah, I love that. 100% encouragement. Um, Another thing I would say too is, um, like, is there a distinction between like the 22,000 that were afraid and Gideon being afraid? Because like Gideon was... I mean, you read it and it says like he was afraid. And so God like sent him to be encouraged by it, but he also sent home the 22,000 that were afraid. So there's, is there like a distinction between this kind of afraid or is like God giving favoritism to Gideon over the other 22,000? I don't know. Um, I don't think that there's favoritism and I don't think, I just don't think that the fear is the same. You can't put it on the same playing field. And, um, I think there's, completely different struggles that people face they have the same title but the playing field or the level that it's at is different and i just think when you look through the um story of gideon his fear was very sincere like his discouragement went before he went to the camp was very sincere he's a man who was bold in his faith he teared down the idols he stopped um the tribe of manasseh from serving other gods yeah he fought against his like neighbors and he stood up to his dad. Like he just is, he has this, these moments where he's talking to God and asking for him to wet the fleece and not wet the fleece. And he's, he's, um, owning his faith, but then he gets 32,000 people all together to fight. Mm-hmm. And then it's brought all the way down to 300. I mean, you would be discouraged too. Yeah. You're just like, what is that? Like what's going on? Yeah. And I think there's a part of that of, you know, there's going to be, ebbs and flows of your ministry Mm. of man you have 60 plus kids in your in your bible study and you're like man i'm on fire and then the next year you have 10 and you're going man am i doing it right because Mm. i don't have as many people here like i don't have as many listeners i'm not impacting as many people Mm. and then you get in that mindset of discouragement it's not that you lost faith yeah it's not that you are walking away from god it's just man, this season doesn't look like the season I thought it would look like. Yeah. And what we can do is we can get discouraged because we have a um, set expectation of what we think is supposed to happen. Yeah. And when that expectation is not meet and God has a bigger plan, mm-hmm. are, we're going, what is happening? But then if you sit and listen to God, hey, go listen to the camp. Mm-hmm. Then, he, then you get opened up to, oh man, God does have a plan. Yeah. There is a reason for this. And then you really realize, oh man, those 10 dudes that are in my Bible study instead of 60 really want this. Yeah. They're on fire. They're doing amazing things for, on their own and they're going out into the world and doing amazing things. I might've had 60 people, but there really wasn't that much fruit. Yeah. And so I think just looking at Gideon's story, we all deal with this, but just because you deal with seasons of discouragement doesn't mean that you don't believe in God. Right. But I do think that the 22,000 people I do think that might have some of them might have had faith or whatever. I don't want we can't can't assume it. Right. Can't assume, but my my belief in that is that that was a tribe of people that were just worshiping other gods. Yeah, they did have idols, <laughs> and I think they were at a point in their faith where they were not strong. They mm-hmm. were not like Gideon. It's two different playing fields. Yeah, no, that's good. I love that a lot, um, dude. Yes, and just to to really uh, home in on this. Uh, big takeaway that I think we want to talk about. It's just this concept of God, like doing so much with so little, like it's, it's incredible. Like we, God basically does the opposite of what like our minds think. Like we, we live in a mindset of like, I need X, I need this thing. I need more of this. And then I'll be able to do these things. 
And like they're already outnumbered, right? Like I believe that they, I'm trying to remember how many they had. The Midianites I think had like, a, I don't know if it was 150,000 or it was something. They had a ridiculous number. And so they were already short 30, they were 32,000 compared to them. So they were already at a disadvantage. And so on top of that, like they probably are already like slightly discouraged. But then on top of that, God's like, mm, I like, I got to chop this thing down. Like I'm, I want this to like not be something that you could boast in that you could be able to like at the end of the day say like you did this thing. Right. Um, and so he like minimizes the count from like 32,000 to 300 people. And I think the big, the big takeaway for this chapter is that like God wants to do more with the less we have, or in another way to put it, like, while we want more, God wants less. And just to kind of like, to break that down, I think back into my life, different seasons where I know that God's called me into like certain ministry or to do certain things. Um, especially like during like high school and then like in college, I just remember that like after knowing those things that I was called to, I would have like this imaginary list of things that I was like, well, once I have this thing or I have that thing, then I'll be able to do ministry for this. And so like for me personally, I think some of those things were like, well, once I have a bigger platform, like then I'll be able to like really make an impact for people. But right now, like I don't have much of a, like a platform. I don't have that many followers. I don't have that many people that kind of follow me. And so like once I have like a bigger platform, then like I'll know that I'm starting to make a difference for the kingdom. Or maybe it's the the idea of like, man, I need I need to finish my degree first in like Christian studies before I can start to make an impact. Or you know, you need to go to seminary, or you need to get like your MDiv. Or maybe you're someone that just thinks like, maybe like you know, I, once I have like more financial security, then I'll be able to like do more for the kingdom. Whatever it is, like we create all of these ideas where we think that we need more of this. We need more of this. Like I need a bigger house first before I'm like you know like hospitable and like allowing people to come into my home. Like I need to you know have this relationship first before I can try and like, you know, give some advice to people or just try to encourage them in their walk of singleness or, or relationships or whatever it is. And like, we always make all of these excuses for things that like we need to have. We need more of this, more of this, more of this, more of this. And God's trying to tell us like right now, like not only do you already have enough, but I actually want to strip some things away from you right now. And those two things are exactly what the scriptures talk about. He wants to get rid of the fear in our life and he wants to get rid of the self-centeredness in our life. Those two things, if we get rid of self-centeredness and we get rid of fear, what's left is courage for, for the ministry that we're called to do. Like what's left is, is not believing the lies of the enemy. What's left is not having this, this list or this imaginary list of things that like we need to get done before we can do more for the kingdom. We, we don't have this idea of my world is what comes first and foremost. And whatever I do in my world, like has to be my first priority. Like we don't, we don't wake up thinking about ourselves anymore. We, we wake up thinking about Christ. We wake up thinking about what we're called to as Christians to carry our cross, right? And so when we get rid of fear and we get rid of self-centeredness, like it leaves the door open for God to start working in our lives. And I think that we're we're holding on with like really tight fists saying like, God, I'm almost there. Like I want to let you use me, but like I still have this sin in my life and I still have this thing that's kind of going on or I need this, you know, one thing to get finished up first or like I need to just get out of this relationship or do all these things before you can use me. And he's like, no. I want to use you right now. Like you have everything you need. If not, you have more than you need. And I want to use you right now for the kingdom. And so that's, that's just for me, like a powerful takeaway about 
like God wants to use you right now, regardless of what you have. And if anything, he wants to start stripping you down of those, those blemishes or those, those things on the outside that are impacting what you can do for the kingdom that are holding you back. And so a couple of verses just to go with that is Philippians two, three through four. So people probably have heard of this one before, but do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And we know from scripture that there is no greater love than this, but then to lay one's life down for another man or for a brother or sister. And that's exactly what war is, is laying your life down for those around you. And then Isaiah 41, 10 says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so like, I mean, these are literally just like two verses and there are numerous amounts of scripture that talk about both of these ideas about like getting rid of your selfish image, getting rid of your own world and everything that you used to live for, which was for yourself because you were your own God. We're going to get rid of that now. And on the other side, all of this fear, all of the lies the enemy wants to feed you, all of this insecurity, all these things that have been holding you back from making decisions to step out in faith for me, we're going to get rid of both of those things because then when you get rid of those things, what you're left with is a pure relationship with God that's just focused on like waking up every day thinking, what's next? Like, what do you want me to do today? Like going into church and having a better mindset of like, it's not about myself. I'm not just here to be fed for me and I'm going to leave from the service feeling better about myself or whatever it is, but not doing anything for my community around me. Like I'm going to go into church and I'm going to be like, honestly, I haven't served like in a long time. Like God, like, do you want me to serve in this church? Like, where do you want me to be used? Like whether it be with my gifts or whether it just be a need within the church, like I have hands and feet. Like, where can I be used? Like, I'm going to go in with a different mindset now because it's not about me anymore. And then if it's stepping out in your faith to do something crazier, you don't have that fear that's holding you back anymore. And so like, I don't know, I could talk forever about it. I just, I, I love that God did the complete opposite of what anyone would have expected in that situation. Cause I know people that in a, like in a similar kind of mindset or in a scenario would be like, all right, well, we need to, to reinforce, we need to spend more time training. Like if we are going to, if we only have 32,000 and they got like five times the amount of people as us, then these need to be like solid 32,000 fighters. So we're going to focus on like training and developing and pouring into these guys. And we're going to make sure these are the solid, like most studly 32,000 soldiers in the world. And then we're going to go to battle with them. But God does the opposite. He's like, no, I'm going to send them home because I get more glory when there's less involved and I can show up for you. But if you crowd that space with everything possible, I can't show up for you. And so like, it's crazy. And in like America, we see so many different, like, like Christianity, like going around today where, um, we, we claim to be Christians, but at the end of the day, like we have everything we could possibly need. And so we have this like version of Christianity where like we say that we love God and that we believe in Jesus, but he doesn't rule our lives. And he, we, we still live self-centeredly. Like that's the whole point of like the American dream is like everything about us and how we can flourish instead of how like the kingdom can flourish. But you look at everywhere else in the world, especially in developing countries, which I've been to plenty of times, and they have rock solid faith because they have to depend on God. Like they actually have to depend on him for the things that they need. And he needs, like they need him to show up. But that's where God gets the most glories because that's where he can show up. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I'm going to pull back like three minutes to something that you said. Um, <laughs> but you talked about how, what we do is we we wait for man. I wish I had more seminary 
like, I wish I had gone to this school and finished this degree. I wish I had more money. I wish I had this platform. Mm -hmm. And that's out of order. What you're supposed to do is you're supposed to be a good steward of what you have now Mm. with little and God will give you much. Mm. And I think about the, I I know this person very, very um, closely, this guy who has probably 500,000 followers. Mm. And it's like, he's a good Christian man. He has this huge platform and he, it's now huge. But if he were to start posting about Christian stuff, he would lose all of his followers. Mm. And so it's like, man, my platform's not big enough, but if you were to get all those people, they followed you because you posted dog photos. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah. that's why. Yep. Or they, they followed you because of this content. And so if you were to change it, like you need to start with the platform you have now. Yeah. And then allow it to grow because people are hearing the message of the gospel and then you're spreading and then it grows organically then in reverse or the same with finances. Like if you're not going to be a good steward with the little finances that you have, like, oh, I don't have enough. So I'm just going to spend it here and here and here instead of really being diligent and knowing, hey, God, where am I supposed to be this? How am I going to be a good steward? So then when you have much, you're even better with those finances. And so what we tend to do is we tend to wait until we have more uh-huh. in order to follow God when in reality God is saying, no, it's in the little details yeah. where I'm at. Yep. It's it's when you have little is where I'm at. It's not the more you have, the more you, the more you have comes later. Like Israel is going to become strong. They're going to reunite. The battle is going to happen. And now all the tribes are together. There's going to be years where they're free from the Midianites, all that kind of stuff. There's good that's going to come. More yeah. is going to come. But it's when you are devout, and good stewards with little mm-hmm. is when your whole life is going to really change and turn around. That's amazing. Yep. So I think the last thing just to add to that, just to kind of like hit the home run is first uh, Peter five, eight, which says be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So when we read this text, obviously we're reading about Israel and Midian thousands of years ago in a physical battle of war. And when you think now, you're like, well, that's not really like relatable to me. Unless like you're in Ukraine, like or Russia, you're obviously not going to be in a position where you're like, oh, like this makes sense. And even at that case, that's not even close to the same thing. But scripture does talk about how we are in a spiritual warfare right now. Like we see Paul countless times recording, talking about how like you, you believe that this has to do with just like the things of this world and the tangible things of this world, but there are principalities that live within the air in the spiritual realm that are constantly waging war against us. And in the same sense, like when we come to know Christ and we choose to follow him, like we, we really do sign up for war. That's really what it is because now you have made yourself an enemy of what we consider our enemy, which is the devil. Right. And so like you have now assigned yourself as the enemy of him and he's going to do everything he can to take you down. And so in that same sense, like if you, like he's, he's the one that's feeding you these lies. He's the one that's feeding you, um, these doubts and these fears and these thoughts that are keeping you from doing things for the kingdom. And unless you clear yourself of those things, like you're not going to be very efficient in this, in this battle in spiritual warfare, um, against honestly good and evil. And so, um, I would just want this to be an encouragement to anybody that if there are fears of, you know, stepping out in your faith and, going above and beyond. And, uh, if not that, if just like being convicted that you've kind of lived selfishly for yourself in um, your walk with Christ and how it's still kind of centered around you and like what you get out of this. And, um, 
just any of that kind of mindset to like one repent of it. Like we all need to, um, but to like focus on like clearing those things from, from our mind and being sober minded because we are constantly at war and it's a day-to-day basis and opportunity arises. And there will be times where we need to step out in our faith. And if we're not like being proactive about those things and like when those opportunities come, like we're going to miss it. And it would be the same thing as God just sending us home and saying like, I would love to use you, but I can't use you unless you get rid of these things first. And so, um, there's always opportunity, which is such an amazing thing about the God we serve is that like, he's a God of second chances, third chances, fourth, fifth, like 30 million chances. He is always willing to give us another chance. It just comes down to us and the decision we make and whether or not we choose to do it. And so hope that's an encouragement to you guys. Um, cause it's definitely an encouragement to me to, to kind of strip away from that and, uh, to realign my focus on what matters most. So cool. Well, do you have anything else you want to add, bro? No, I think that's great. And just a good reminder. Don't be a lapper. Don't be a lapper, bro. Don't be a lapper. <laughs> I'm gonna make a sticker. It says, don't be a lapper. Um, all right. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being on this episode. And, uh, if you have not already, Give us a a little bit of a review on Spotify. Spotify is one of the main sources that we post or one of the main platforms we post on. We post on Apple Podcasts as well, and that's where we get like 50-50. But if you guys could leave us a review on either of those platforms, it'd be super helpful because that's what gets this content out to other people um, outside of just sharing it on social media. So if you could just leave a review, that'd be super awesome. We'd appreciate you a ton. You'd be our best friends. And then outside of that, if you guys aren't already following us on social media, hit us up there. And remember that every eighth episode, we're doing a Q and a with you guys to answer your questions about the text. And we'd also love for you guys to share your takeaways. If you guys have any, while we're going through the series, um, we'd love to shout you guys out on this platform. So other than that, we love you guys and we hope that you have a great rest of your weekend. Peace out, guys. Bye.